Father God, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be with our Chi Alpha family. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to worship together, to praise your name together. Thank you for uh, that amazing testimony uh, that we heard from Chris earlier, what you're doing in his life, what you're doing in all of our lives, God, for your glory. Um, God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts even now to receive your word. Father, help me to communicate. Holy Spirit, help me to speak what you want spoken. Um, God, I pray that you'd work in each of our lives to make us the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. One of the most unattractive qualities a person can have to me is a manipulative or controlling personality. In my opinion, that's one of the most unattractive things, that a manipulative or controlling personality. You guys know people like this, right? Um, it's something that ruins many relationships, right? It's hard to have a relationship with someone that's going to be manipulative, going to be controlling. It's difficult to be with a controlling person. It's tough to have friendship or any kind of relationship with someone who's manipulative, twisting every situation, twisting every conversation. That's tough, right? All right, it's tough to have a relationship with that kind of person. It's tough to be around uh, that kind of person. Maybe you've had bosses like this. Maybe you've had friends like this, boyfriends, girlfriends, family members like this that, that are manipulative and controlling, and, and it's tough, right? Um, the title of tonight's message is Control Issues. Control Issues. Why are people like this? Why are we sometimes like this? You don't have to raise your hand. But there are probably certain situations where you find yourself sometimes being a little controlling. Or may, you may find yourself worried or stressed out by your lack of control in a certain area of your life. Right? There may be a certain area of your life where you feel out of control, and that's a big cause of stress, of anxiety, um, of worry for you. We all feel this way sometimes. Uh, and this is why the truth of God's Word is so encouraging when it tells us over and over and over and over again that God is in control. God is in control. God is absolutely sovereign over everything in the universe, and that includes every single detail of your life. Every single detail. I'm going to hit you with a, a couple quick scriptures that, that are not going to be up there, but, but just listen quickly. Job 42 verse 2 says, God can do all things and no purpose of his can be thwarted. 2 Chronicles 26 says, God is ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. He is powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against him. Isaiah 46.10 says, I am God, there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens, and everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Dozens and dozens and dozens of verses throughout Scripture tell us that God is in absolute control of everything, of everything. He's sovereign over everything. That word sovereign simply means possessing supreme or ultimate power. That's God, right? Uh, that God is omnipotent, all power. And, and again, verse after verse of Scripture tells us that he uses that power to rule over everything, right? The United States has, has a president. The kingdoms and countries of this earth have kings and queens and prime ministers and dictators and presidents. God's the ruler over them all. Right? He has the ultimate say. He says, whatever I say will come to pass, will come to pass. I'll make it come to pass. No plan of mine will fail. Again and again and again throughout Scripture. And this is especially evident in the passage that we're looking at tonight that reminds us of all that God has done for us through Jesus and what God's sovereignty means 
for all of our various control issues. So again, tonight we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 3. If you've got a Bible, if not, the scriptures will be up there. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Paul is writing uh, a letter of encouragement to the Christian church there in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Paul writes this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. He says he decided in advance. He said before he even made the world, he already had a plan, and that plan was called you, and he planned to love you, right? Before let there be light, before and shaping the earth out of nothing, man, he had a plan called Hope, he had a plan called O'Shea, he had a plan called Jay, he had a plan called Gian, and his plan was to love you. That's what it says, right? He planned in advance to adopt you into his family, and we already read that none of his plans fail. Bringing him bringing us to himself through Christ. So one of those things, we're talking about control issues tonight, one of those things that's outside of our control, our ability to save ourselves from our sins, our ability to restore a broken relationship with God. Uh, None of us can do that, right? Each and every one of us has has a problem uh, called sin and a sin nature that that wants to rebel against God uh, and that manifests in us in times that we're selfish, times that we're prideful, times that we hurt ourselves and hurt other people. This separates us from a relationship with God, the relationship God wants to have with us because he loves us. We, we've got this sin problem, and there's nothing that we can do to fix it, right? Uh, it's outside of our control. Um, but it says that God decided in advance that he would do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves and bring us into the family of God through sending his son, Jesus. Paul continues, uh, continues on there in verse 5 and 6. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Now, he didn't do it begrudgingly. He wanted to do it. He wanted to do it, and it gave him great pleasure to save you, to adopt you. Verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. That's the good news of the gospel. Amen? That this completely sovereign God, this God that's in control of every detail of the universe, loves us, loves you so much that he made it part of his perfect, unfailing plan to save you. Right? To send Jesus to die in our place. It says he purchased our freedom with his own blood. Purchased our freedom with his own blood. Jesus did for me what I can never do for myself. Something that's totally outside of my control my ability to save myself, my ability to have my sins forgiven, my ability to, to fix a broken relationship with God. So Jesus did for me what I couldn't do. He lived the perfect life I could never live, right? I can't live a perfect minute. I don't, I don't know how he lived the perfect life, but he did it. Um, Jesus lived the life I should have lived, and then he died the death I should have died, right? Jesus never did a single thing wrong, but died a criminal's death, and tortured, abused, and then hung on a cross, naked, beaten, torn open, and he hung there and died, that should have been me, right? Uh, God worked a miracle in that moment when Jesus hung there on the cross and, and took all 
the, the, the sins of this world, all the punishment that, that I deserve for everything I've ever done wrong, laid it on Jesus instead, so that God could extend me forgiveness from sins, so that God could adopt me and you into the family of God as sons and daughters, no longer counting our sins against us, not just overlooking our sins, but those sins were paid for when Jesus died on the cross. And that was God's plan, he said, from the beginning, before he even made the world. This was God's plan. His plans don't fail. He had a plan to save you by sending Jesus. If you're here tonight and you've never put your trust in Jesus that way, uh, asking God to save you from your sins and make you right with God, I mean, you can do that tonight. You can be made right with God tonight. You can have a brand new, fresh start in Jesus tonight. Paul continues in verse 9. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fill, fulfill his own good plan. Verse 10, and this is the plan. At the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Underline is mine. That's probably not, probably not underlined in your Bible. Uh, but he makes everything. He makes what? Everything. everything work out according to his plan. Everything. Every detail of your life. God has a plan. He makes absolutely everything work out according to that plan. Your best days, part of God's plan. Your worst days, God is still at work in those as well. And we know that even those are ultimately under his control. Nothing happens to you that he does not allow and his ultimate plan for your life will not fail. And what is that plan? To save you completely, to make you part of his family, to bless your life through Jesus. Now, I know we still have hard days. We still have rough days. And it's particularly hard to think that this is God's plan when I'm hurting, when I'm suffering, when there's junk going on in my family, when there's junk going on at work, when I'm financially desperate, when my health is bad, when I'm struggling with anxiety and stress and depression and fear, it's hard to feel like and those tough days are also part of God's plan. But man, nothing bad can happen to you that God has not allowed because he's sovereign over everything. Um, and we can trust he's at work even in those things for our good. And it's also he's making it work according to his plan. And, and for the sake of time, we're not going to get into a long, detailed discussion about why does God allow pain and suffering and evil in this world? Uh, but super briefly, it won't last forever. In heaven, there won't be pain or evil or suffering. Heaven's eternal. And, and this life on earth, even though it's intense now, it's going to be so brief in comparison to an eternity in heaven. It's going to be like a vapor here today and gone, gone the next uh, and no matter how tough our days are now, it won't last forever. Um, and that in this season, while, while we're on earth, in the middle of those toughest days, in that suffering, we can trust that even if we don't understand it, God's still at work in it. Uh, God has a plan for it. Um, and may, maybe, maybe it's to build our character. Maybe it's so that we can be a ministry to somebody else. Maybe it's part of a tapestry he's weaving that we don't see the full picture, but our lives are going to be richer and fuller because we went through this tough season. We don't know. We've got examples like uh, Joseph in the book of Genesis that, man, his, his own brother sold him into slavery. He was lied on, ended up in a dungeon for years, but we see God at work through all of that and made him, man, the governor of all of Egypt, right? Uh, and Joseph says at the end of the story, you meant it for evil, but God made it work for good. And, and so, so in our tough times, 
We don't understand it, and we may not even get all the answers till heaven. In fact, most of the time we probably won't. Uh, but we know, hey, this isn't, if this is happening to me, it's because God allowed it because he's in control. And, and I trust that his plan is still going to succeed in my life. Amen? Amen? So what does it mean for us that God is in control of everything? What does it mean for us that he's completely sovereign over our lives? All right, and I've got three points tonight. And this is the first one. If God is in control, if God is in control, we don't have to be. If God is in control, we don't have to be. Have you ever known a manipulative or controlling person? Again, you don't have to raise your hand. Some of you say, I might be that person. Why are they that way? Why do we sometimes get that way about things as well? I think it's because sometimes life feels so out of control. Life feels so out of control that we fight and grasp to try to control any detail that we can. And this makes a person controlling, makes a person manipulative, feeling so out of control that, man, if I can just control this, right? If I can just get a handle on this situation, uh, so they overexert themselves, they get a little manipulative, they get a little controlling, sometimes a lot controlling. We don't trust that anyone is really looking out for us. We feel like we've got to look out for number one because no one else is looking out for us, right? That if we don't try to control the situation, no one else is looking out for our good. But if we really trust that God is in control of every detail of our lives, then we don't need to be manipulative. Right. We don't need to control every little thing for it to work out in our favor. God's already doing that. We can just rest in Him. We can just trust in Him. So Paul writes uh, in his letter to the church in Rome, in, in Romans chapter 8, 28, this verse will be familiar to some of you guys. Romans 8, 28, Paul writes, And we know that God causes some stuff to work together. No. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God causes everything to work together for your good. For your good. Those of you who love God and are called according to his purpose. He's going to make it all work together for your good. The good stuff and the bad stuff. The good days, man, he's working it together for your good. The bad days, he's working it together for your good. We can trust, man, God's in control. And even though I may not understand it, I trust he's working it out for my good. So I don't have to be manipulative and controlling to try to twist the situation to make it work out in my favor. God's already promised to make it work out in my favor. Come on. I don't have to control things. I don't have to control relationships. I don't have to twist situations at, at work or at school or in the study group. I don't have to be that manipulative, controlling person. I can just sit back and relax. God's already working it in my favor. I don't have to play the game to try to make things come out more in my favor. You hear what I'm saying? Um, we don't have to do that. We don't have, to, we don't have to be manipulative. If God's in control, we don't have to be. Praise the Lord. Another benefit of God being in control and making things work out in our favor is not only are we free uh, from having to control everything, but also if God is in control, we don't have to worry. If God's in control, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. Some of us are overwhelmed with worry about different details of our lives. When life feels out of control, we start to obsess about things. We start to worry about things, right? If a particular area and just, just feels out of control or, or something is stressing us out, uh, we think about it more and more and more. We obsess about it more and more and more. Like thinking about it more is going to change the situation, right? Like adding in that anxiety and the pressure is going to do anything at all. But that's what we do. We worry, hey, is this situation going to work out? 
Hey, I worry about, man, what's going to happen with my family? I worry what's going to happen with my job. I worry what's going to happen with these grades. What's going to happen with this class? What am I going to do after graduation? What am I going to do this summer? What am I going to do later tonight when I get back to my room, right? And we just, we worry and we obsess and we stress about so many things. Here's what Jesus had to say about worry. In his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, we find it here in Matthew uh, chapter 6. This is what Jesus says about worry. Matthew chapter 6, we'll pick up in verse 25. This is what Jesus has to say about worry. Don't do it. Stop. Don't do it. (laughs) Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, Jesus says, Do not worry about your life. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about your life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Mm -hmm. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are mm. do you guys think you're more valuable to God than some birds you are you are created in his image right he loves you verse 27 can all your worries add a single moment to your life here's what he's saying your worries don't do any good anyway They don't do anything. They do literally nothing. Can they add a single moment to your life? Verse 28, and why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their own clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? Why do you have so little faith? Basically saying, trust God more. If you're worrying, it's showing you're not really trusting God. Trust God more. Verse 31, so don't worry about all these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. Mm -hmm, Seek the kingdom of God. Try to live righteously before him. He's going to make sure you have everything you need. If God's in control, we don't have to worry. Right. We don't have to worry. Yep. Jesus says all that worrying doesn't, doesn't do anything anyway. Most of the things we worry about are totally outside of our control. That's why we're worrying, right? We worry about, uh, you know, you know worry about a, a family situation. We worry about a health situation. We worry about our grades. We worry about all, all, all these, well, our grades, I mean, we can study harder, right? But, but we worry about that test we've already taken, and it was real bad, and so we worry, how's that going to affect our future? Uh, we, we worry about these things that are totally outside of our control, that, 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 that we can't make, make a lick of difference by, by just obsessing and worrying about them, but, but we worry all the same. Jesus is reminding us that our worrying isn't accomplishing anything. It's not accomplishing anything. It only adds stress to our life and robs us of the joy and the peace that he wants us to experience in him. If God is really in control of your life, if you really believe God's in control of your life, then you don't have to worry. Because your father's looking out for you, right? Says, says your, your dad knows what you need and he's going to make sure you have what you need. Your life's not going to be any better for worrying about it. Just trust him. Just trust him. Trust that he's in control. Trust that even in those tough situations, um, those tough situations are, are, are tough to go through, certainly, uh, but worrying is not the answer. That's just going to make you more stressed, more anxious. And those tough situations, just lean harder on God. Say, God, man, I need, I need your help in this situation. I need more grace. I need more strength. I need more faith to get through this situation. I trust that you're good. I don't understand what's happening over here, but I trust that you're good and you've got a plan and you're at work in this situation. But Jesus says, don't worry. 
Worrying doesn't do any good at all. It just robs your life of joy, robs your life of peace. That anxiety, that stress, probably shortens your lifespan, right? It's not good for you. Like, what are the health benefits of stress? Are there a lot of health benefits about worrying about every little detail of your life? Does that lengthen your life? No, it doesn't. Man, stress causes ulcers and brain difficulties and blood pressure issues, all kinds of, it's bad for your heart, bad for your brain, bad for your stomach, right? So we've covered some pretty important things. Uh, it's bad for you. It's bad for you. And Dr. Jesus says, don't do it. I don't prescribe it. Stop doing it. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. Dr. Jesus. He says, don't do it. Don't worry. Don't worry. That worrying is a trap. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for the enemy that tries to trick you into obsessing over something you can't control anyway. Come on. Because God's in control, right? What is the opposite of worrying? What's the opposite of worrying? Trust in God, faith in God. Sometimes I'm accused uh, by people that love me of having. (laughs) Sometimes I'm accused of having something called (laughs) pronoia. Pronoia. Do you guys know what pronoia is? <laughs> You've probably heard of its antonym, paranoia. Oh. Right? What is paranoia? Paranoia is worry. a worry that unseen forces are conspiring against you, right? Paranoia is like that even in a good situation, uh, wait till the other shoe drops. Paranoia is like, man, someone's out to get me. There's some kind of forces at work working against me. That's paranoia. Pronoia is the opposite of that. There's unseen forces conspiring for my good. Right? I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know why. But this situation is going to work out for my good. Right? And so sometimes I get teased for living that way. (laughs) But if we truly believe that God is in control, if we truly believe that God is working things out for our good, I feel like this is a very biblical position to have. Right? Man, God's going to work it out for our good. So why worry? Why stress? That's good. I don't see what he's doing, but I think there's unseen forces conspiring in my favor. Right? They're tipping the scales in my favor. I don't know why. I don't know how. But God's going to make it work for my good. Right? Uh, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We don't need to be manipulative because God's already working out everything for our good. We don't need to worry because God is in control and he's going to make sure that we have everything that we need. And this brings us to our final point. If God is in control, we can have hope for the future. We can have hope for the future. We don't have to be manipulative and controlling. We don't have to worry. And we can have a hope for the future. Uh, Last school year, we preached through the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet uh, that God called to um, his people during a very very troubling time in in the history of Israel and Judah. Uh, And Israel and Judah had been rebelling against God, serving idols. Uh, and God promised to the prophets again and again, if you continue to serve idols, uh, there's going to be destruction that's going to come upon you. Turn away from these idols. Turn back to me uh, so that I can restore you and bless you. Of course, the people do not do that. The people do continue to serve idols and reject the Lord. And eventually, all, all the destruction God promised comes upon their life. Uh, and foreign, foreign kingdoms invade them, conquer them, and take them into captivity. Um, and so this is when Jeremiah is called to be a, a prophet about, about halfway through his prophetic ministry. Uh, Judah gets conquered by Babylon uh, and all the, the, the best and brightest Israelites there in Judah are taken into captivity uh, where they're going to spend 70 years in captivity there in Babylon uh, before God's going to allow them to return again to Jerusalem. God gives Jeremiah a prophetic word to send to the people. 
saying, okay, this is the lowest of the low. Like, I told you all to turn away from your sins, and you didn't do it. So, like, these are the consequences of that. You knew that they're coming, but, man, I still love you, and I've still got a plan, and I want to give you hope that's going to see you through this 70 years where you're, you're captives there in Babylon. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, God says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you a hope and a future. God says, I know you're going through probably the toughest situation in your life. Basically, you're having to leave your home. You're going in bondage into captivity in a a foreign land where you're going to be an oppressed people group. Things look really bleak right now. I want you to know, though, this is not the end of the story. I still have a plan for your life. Even though you've been rebelling against me, even though you've been rejecting me, I've still got a plan. My plan is still to bless you. It's still to prosper you. It's not to harm you. My plan is to give you a hope and a future. God says, man, turn, turn to me. I can still see you through this, right? I can still see you out of this situation. Um, now, this is a very specific promise that Jeremiah prophesied to, to these people going into captivity, these exiles that were going to be captives in Babylon. It's a specific promise to them. But don't you think God also has a plan for your life? Yeah. Right? Does God love you less than he did those exile captives? No. No, God's got a plan for your life as well. And even in your toughest situations, maybe like the Israelites, you're going through some tough stuff and it's just consequences of your own actions, right? That you're just kind of living with the consequences of your own mistakes. Man, that's, that's part of life. We do all go through seasons like that. God says, okay, maybe you've blown it. I'm still going to see you through this. I've still got a plan for your life and it's to bless you. I've got a plan for your life, a future for you. Uh, and, and all of your fumbles aren't going to ruin it because my plans don't fail, Right? Maybe you're going through a situation and it's tough and it's because of nothing you did, right? It's just a tough situation. It's from stuff outside of your control, stuff that's happening to you. There's nothing you could have done different. God says, even then, man, I want you to have hope. I'm, I'm at work. I'm in control. I'm going to see you through this. This is not the end of the story, right? This is just one chapter. Uh, I want you to have hope. I want you to have hope for a future. If God is in control, we can have hope for the future, Right? Some of us are worried about the future. Some of us thinking about the future makes us so anxious. Sometimes we get just paralyzed with anxiety. We're worried about the future. We're worried about um, and what, 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 happens, what happens after the end of the semester and what happens after graduation. Uh, what, you know, what's going to happen in this situation with this boy or this girl? Like worrying's going to make him call us back, right? And what, what's going to happen in this situation with this family member? What's going to happen with this over here? And again, God doesn't want us to worry. He wants us to have hope in the future. And he, he's got a plan for us, and it's for our good. And we don't, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. And stuff that, that's out in our future, especially uh, that we have no control over, man, we don't need to worry about that. And we don't need to control and conspire and manipulate to make things go in our favor. No, God's in control. So we can have a hope for the future that the future is going to be good. The future is going to be bright because God's good, and he's in control. Amen? And some of you guys need to be reminded tonight uh, that, that God is still on the throne, right? He didn't take spring break, right? He's not on vacation. God is still on the throne. He's still in control. He's in control of every detail of your life. Uh, and he's got a plan to, to bless you, right? He's got a plan to save you completely and to bring you into the family of God. He's got a plan to use you to be a light to others, to encourage others, to lead other people into a relationship with Jesus. He's got a plan for each and every one of you. 
and his plan will succeed because he's in control and he's God. Amen? Amen. Um, so, so my big takeaways for tonight, uh, if you're that type of person that, that when things feel out of control, you find yourself fighting and grasping to try to you maybe get a little manipulative, a little controlling, and, and it's out of a place of desperation because you just feel so out of control, I encourage you to just double down on your faith in God and trust God to control this situation. I don't have to connive or twist or manipulate because God's in control and he's going to make it work out for my favor. If you're the type of person that, again, when you feel out of control, tends to, to worry and obsess and get anxious about things, I want to encourage you. Renew your faith in God. Trust, okay, God, you're in control of this situation. My worrying is not going to affect it one way or the other. Jesus said, by worrying, can you add a single minute to your life? Mm-hmm. And by worrying, can I make one of these gray hairs turn back black? Mm-hmm. No. By worrying, can I make myself taller, shorter? No. no. And so many of the things we worry about, we've got no control over anyway. So many things we obsess about, and we think about conversations and things that never end up happening. Jesus says, don't worry. I've got better for you than that. I've got better for you than worry and to be bogged down with stress and anxiety. I want you to know peace. I want you to know joy. It's that joy that he purchased for you on the cross with his own blood. And he wants you to know it completely and not have it muddied up with all that worry and anxiety. Amen? Amen. And some of you guys are so worried about the future, so scared about the future. You don't have the future figured out. It's okay if you don't have it figured out. God's got it figured out, right? And, and, and instead of worrying and stressing, then God just wants you to rest in his arms and trust that God's got this. He's got the future. It's still under his control. Um, and he's going to make it work together for your good. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand up? Let's just pray and, and seek the Lord. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to take a, just a posture of, of surrender and lift your hands to the Lord. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes people may ask you, why, why, why do we lift up hands to God in prayer or in worship? First of all, you know, the Bible describes lifting up hands in prayer, but, but also it's kind of a posture of, of just surrender, just throwing our hands up and saying, uh, God, I surrender. Uh, I'm sorry for trying to control uh, my life, God, and I'm surrendering control completely to you. God, would you do what you please with my life? Well, let's just come before him in prayer tonight. Uh, God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your promise. We're thankful for the plan that you have for our life. Thank you first and foremost for your plan to save us by sending your son Jesus. If there's anyone in here tonight that's never put their trust in Jesus as their Savior, I encourage you to do that tonight. To put your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save you and make you right with God. Uh, Ask God to forgive you of your sins uh, and, and, and make Jesus the Lord of your life, promising to follow him from this day forward. When you do that, when you put your trust in Jesus that way, God makes you a brand new creation, adopts you into the family of God, and you've got a forever home in heaven with him when this life is over. God, right now, God, we just want to totally surrender to you. Surrender, God, to your control. God, would you help us, God, not to be controlling or manipulative, God, conniving and twisting situations, Father God. Help us not to be that way, but totally to trust in you, God. God, help us with our control issues, God. Help us to trust you, to trust that you're in control of our life, God, um, and, and interact with other people, God, the way that, that you would, God, full of love, full of grace, because ultimately God's in control. God, those of us that, that struggle with worry and anxiety, God, those of us that are just bogged down with stress and anxiety, God, I pray that you would lift that stress from their shoulders. I believe that that's a burden you do not intend for them to carry that's a yoke that you want to take from them and replace it with your peace and your joy, trusting 
uh, that God is at work in every situation and that God has a plan for our life and is going to make it work for our good. Jesus, you said unbelievers stress uh, and are anxious about these things. Unbelievers obsess over these things, but we don't have to because we trust God that you're in control and that you're good. And as we pursue you and your kingdom and your righteousness, God, you're going to make sure we have everything we need. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. God, you're good. God, would you give us a hope for the future? God, we don't know what the future holds. Only you do, God, but we trust that it's a good future. God, we trust that you've got good plans for us, God. We're not going to worry about the future. We're not going to be afraid of the future, God, but we're going to trust you and be hopeful about the future. God, I pray that you would bless each of these individuals here tonight, God, that experience your presence, your nearness. God, would you increase their faith, increase their ability to trust you, God, and trust in your sovereignty, trust in your control, God. God, I pray that you would take away every bit of stress and worry and anxiety and just pray for a fresh wave of your peace just to wash over, God, every heart here tonight, God. Help us to trust you more. Help us to trust you more, God. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, good King Jesus. God, bless these students. God, help them with their, their classes, God. God, God, help them to, to, to exceed, God, succeed in everything they put their hands to. God, help them with work situations and difficult relationship situations and family situations. God, I pray that you would encourage them through, through all of those things, God. Love you, Lord. We trust you. God, we pray for every detail of Kyleful Week next week, God, uh, that it wouldn't just be a busy flurry of activity, God, and nothing to show for it. God, help us to connect with students, God. Help us to connect with, 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 with people on campus, God. Uh, that, that we can introduce to you, Jesus, that we can welcome into the family of God. Um, and I pray, Lord, that, that these events, God, you would use them, God, to, to, to really help us to connect with individuals on campus. God, we love you. God, we trust you with all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord.